0: Epiphany. Epiphany. Um, so as a church, we've kind of been using the church calendar to help us build a rhythm of life, you know, as, as we go throughout the year that is guided by the story of the Bible. It's guided specifically by the gospel. And so the church calendar is very, very different than, you know, the normal year calendar. And it guides us through the story, and it helps us stay rooted and connected into the love of Jesus. That's it's that's really practical Um Outcome is when we follow this calendar, we we stay rooted in that story. Um, and so, one of the ongoing questions that we have around the house is about the church calendar. I know you guys just wish you could be a fly on the wall in our house, like, oh, that would be really interesting to hear about Jamie and Heidi talk about the church calendar. <laughs> Ask Amelia; it's very boring in our home. Um, so, we've been talking about the church calendar. We've been talking specifically about the twelve days of Christmas. Which, you know, I didn't until this year, I didn't know anything about the 12 days of Christmas other than there was a partridge in a pear tree. And uh, I don't even, still, it's like this period of 12 days between Christmas Day and Epiphany that we celebrate, actually celebrate Christmas. It's not just one and done, which is pretty cool. And then after that is this weird little church holiday that lasts about three weeks called Epiphany. And as we were talking about it, like the only thing I knew about Epiphany was from the movie Hook, does anybody remember the movie Hook with Dustin Hoffman and and uh, Captain? He was Captain Hook, and then there's Mr. smead a second in command. And Mr. smead says to Captain Hook one day, he goes, "Captain Hook, I've had an apostrophe." And he says, "What?" He's like, "I've had an apostrophe, like lightning struck my brain." And, he's like, oh. and he met an epiphany, uh, I, you know, and that's all I have. That's my context for epiphany, and so. Heidi is much smarter than I, and she is a very brilliant woman, and so I thought that we would maybe call this little message, Getting Schooled with Heidi Pagels, and I was going to ask you, Heidi, would you teach me and us about what in the Sam Hill is this weird word, epiphany? Yes. I set that up really well, didn't I? Yes.
1: Um, So epiphany is six weeks, and it starts right after the 12 days of Christmas, and um, some church traditions just do one day, and it's known like as the Three Kings Day. Uh, and then some churches celebrate it for six weeks. I think what caught my eye when I was reading and learning is epiphany is the idea that there's something that's been there all along, and it just you just didn't see it yet. Like have you experienced that in your life? or there's something that's already there, but it wasn't time, or the light wasn't shown on it, and so you didn't see it clearly yet. There are three major stories that the church pays attention to and studies during Epiphany, and the first one is the Magi, the three Magi, and um, because the light, the light is the focus, the symbol, and because Jesus was You wouldn't recognize Jesus as anything different than any other baby except for the light. So the light shines on Christ, and you could see that this is not just some baby. There's something different here. Uh, The themes of Epiphany are so perfect for the darkest time of the year. It's light. It's light. So it's a time when we're looking at the light of Christ It's the idea that if you turn the light on in a room, the light goes everywhere. This is the light of Christ. When you turn the light of Christ on, it goes everywhere. Everything is seen that might have been dark. Uh, The idea of the light of Christ is, um, so when, when I would touch somebody with leprosy, if I were to touch something unclean, We'll just say leprosy. It could be anything unclean. I would become unclean, right? I would become unclean. But with Jesus, when Jesus touches something, anything, it changes and it becomes clean. So there's this theme of the light. When Jesus touches us, we become clean. So that's one of the themes um, of epiphany that I've just been thinking about and i've also been thinking about in the in the christian church we've kind of like gated ourselves in the past like let's keep ourselves pure let's keep ourselves away let's not get, let's not contaminate ourselves true but also if i have the light of christ and the power of christ in me i can go out to my neighbors and i can go out to the world carrying the light of christ and touching things and i don't necess- i will not become unclean so, I was thinking about the ideas of the light, because of light. And also, there's the idea of outreach. So, there's the idea that if I am filled with the light of Christ, then I will be carrying that light with me as I go to my family and my house, to my neighbors around me, to my friends. So, there's also this theme of outreach. Sometimes the way we've talked about outreach in the church in the last 20 years has felt really uncomfortable to me, maybe as an introvert. like I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do with that, or I don't think I can do that. That's scary, but the idea for me that I have Christ's light in me, and all I need to do is be looking and seeking and carrying that light with me that feels really doable and really hopeful so those are some was there something else you were curious about epiphany
0: i just thought as you were talking about that it's our our idea of evangelism has been to go out and do something you know to make a show of it Mm -hmm. to to reach people and yet kind of what the call of epiphany is is to recognize that uh, christ is in us and by living our lives With our neighbors, we are reaching out. There is something that is going on that this Holy Spirit is doing. Mm -hmm. And instead of having this sense of shame, like, you know, we got our our board up there in the back. Do you have a New Year's resolution? It's like, do you have a New Year's resolution? Yes or no? And then I thought at the end, I thought I should put at the bottom, does asking this question give you shame? (laughs) Because a lot of us are like, no, and I feel ashamed. Or yes, but I'm not going to accomplish it, and I feel ashamed. When we talk about evangelism. It's the same thing. I feel ashamed that I don't share my faith enough, or I don't share my faith in this way or that way. But just by being kind and bringing food to your neighbor, you are Christ's light to them, mm-hmm. and that is a big, big deal. Um, so there's you mentioned three signs, and I was going to say, or three three stories. The Magi is the first. What were the other two?
1: Uh, the next one after the Magi is. See if I can get in the right order. Oh, it's the baptism of the Holy. Spirit, the dove coming down on Christ, because really Christ would look like any other person to the Jews, right? But when the dove comes down, the Jews are like, "Wait a minute, something." That's their like epiphany moment, like, "Oh, wow, this person, this is not just a normal person." So the cool thing about the light that I forgot is, and this is why it's actually a big deal, is because the light was for all people. The Jews kind of wanted it just to be for them, right? Like, "This is for us," but the light. And we'll get into that when we talk about the passages today. I don't want to say too much. But the light is like, this is for everybody. Everyone is included. And then the third story was for the disciples. It was kind of like their epiphany moment. And it was when Jesus turned the water. See, he touches. Anything he touches, he touched the water, and it changed it to wine. And that was their epiphany moment. Like, wait a minute. This isn't just another teacher. There's something more going on here.
0: So you would say epiphany is like an aha moment. That's that catchphrase that we use in the church, right? I I don't love that phrase. You don't love that phrase? I don't
1: know why. I just don't.
0: How would you, but what other phrase would you use? Oh. We didn't prepare for this question.
1: Well, when I was thinking about it is I think that those moments come when the Holy Spirit reveals things to us. So it's maybe not one moment. But do you have times in your life where there's things that have already been going on in you or around you, and the Holy Spirit's like, now is the time. Now you are ready to see this. Now you are ready to learn or hear. So I don't have a word for it, but it maybe a Holy Spirit uh, moment. That's not nearly as cool, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it is a moment where lightning does strike your mm-hmm. brain, yeah. And you have an apostrophe, like the Holy and the Spirit. Holy Spirit reveals something mm-hmm. to you, and you awesome. understand in a new way mm-hmm. that you didn't before. Yeah. So maybe we should look at the passage for today, the story for today, and and see some of the aha moments that come out of it. I'd use that word again. It's just in me. But those Holy Spirit apostrophe moments and see what we might learn from it. So should I read it? Sure. Okay. So uh, you might want to open your Bibles, if you have one, to Matthew chapter 2. And we will have it on the screen back here if you don't have your Bible with you. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. It's a lot of letters in our S.V., It it goes like this. You might recognize this from Christmas Eve. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at the rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where is the Messiah, where the Messiah was to be born? They told him, in Bethlehem of Judah, for so it has, has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land, land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For you from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. That's God's word for God's people.
1: Thanks be to God. Thanks
0: be to God. So here we are. Uh, you guys are really familiar with this story, right? <laughs> this is like, a su- like pretty much everybody knows this story, even if you're not connected to the scripture somehow. When the Jesus was born, three wise men came and showed up and brought gifts. And as we were studying this, um, I kind of got really irritated because I went back to the original Greek, which is something I do whenever reading passages for, for study. And, and mm-hmm. this whole idea of wise men is a farce. And I can't figure out why Bible translators keep doing this. Because in the Greek it says magi, and magi are magicians or astrologers. These are not these are not men necessarily. Uh, actually, in those cultures, the magicians could be women, sorcerers, sorceresses. Sounds like a dinosaur. Um, they didn't have to be men, and they certainly weren't kings. And the only reason I can find that we would even begin to translate it that way is some other Old Testament prophets that talk about kings coming down and offering gifts before King Jesus. And, but these are not kings, and there's, they're not wise men necessarily. The only wisdom that they show is in worshiping the Son of God. They are not men, and they are not necessarily wise, and they are not kings. And yet we do this over and over again to them. But it's even worse than that because they are astrologers. Yes. Do you say something? Go for no, it. No,
1: when I was reading it, kept saying they're pagans. They're astrologers. We could call them new agers. And I'm like, that feels uncomfortable to say from a stage. And one one commentary said, We're not comfortable saying that they were allowed in the in the stable. So we change it to wise men and we're more comfortable with putting a crown on them. However, this is so beautiful because this shows us that God went out of his way to welcome and lead everyone to the stable. Everybody is included. That's that's the point. And that's why like in our culture the magi- the three wise men are kind of a minor character, but in the Eastern Church and a huge part of the church, it, they're major characters because it says you're included. You're invited. And, like, God went out of his way to speak to them in their own language, right, like astronomy, to invite them to come to the um, stable.
0: We have this interesting propensity to want to clean people up before they come to Jesus, right? Right. Before you can be a Christian, you need to act a certain way, speak a certain way. You need to look like us, sound like, like us, act like us, and then you can be a part of us. And I think that's essentially what we've done to the magi. Mm-hmm. We've tried to clean them up before they got to Jesus. Like, oh, astrologers, no, 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 no. These are wise men. These are these are kings, three kings, and they're from the east. And, you know, so we clean them up and we make them acceptable to us before they get to Jesus. And we do that to people all the time and Even worse, we do it to ourselves. Uh, This wasn't even a part of our conversation. It just kind of occurred to me in the moment that we often feel like we need to be clean before we can come to God. We need to be a certain level of holy before we can come to God with our needs and with our hurts and with the things going on. And so we hide and we protect. And going back to what we were talking about earlier and not being honest with one another, what's going on inside of us, we want to polish that and clean it up before we bring it to God. And yet, this passage, read correctly leads us to see that god accepts us right where we're at and speaks to us right where we're at i mean uh, there's, there's astrologers and what did he use to speak to astrologers a star <laughs> he used a star these are horoscope readers right these are people that are looking in the newspaper to figure out their future and god speaks to them through the horoscope God's gonna speak to us in a lot of different ways and God's gonna speak to you in the way that you need to hear and you don't have to be clean to come to God.
1: When I was reading the passage this week, um, I read a story about a Catholic priest who said growing up, hey, there was like the, the Catholic church and then right next door was the Methodist church. And the Catholics with the nuns would say, Don't go over there. They're not Christians, don't go in that place. Don't don't like don't even go in the building. And I was realizing growing up, I grew up kind of like in a Baptist, right? And this is the way it looks like. Don't go over there. Don't go to the Pentecostals. That'll that'll lead you astray. You can't speak in tongues. You can't. And so I think we really aren't a lot different than the Jews. Uh, we're not a lot different. We're like we want to say who's in and who's out, and I I just find a huge freedom. And I try to practice, like, in saying, "God, let God figure it out. Let God figure out who's in and who's out. And let me just worry about me. Like, let me just focus on Heidi. That is enough."
0: And I grew up as in a Pentecostal, and the <laughs> Baptists weren't going to heaven, and neither were the Methodists, and we, we couldn't go to their churches either. And the same, the same token. So, in one way, the the, the three Magi. <laughs> it's hard to change your language, isn't it? And I still want to say it. The three kings, the magi, mm-hmm. uh, show us that everybody's accepted in that they were pagans. They were astrologers. But also, um, they're wealthy. Mm-hmm. Yes. They bring they bring kingly gifts to the king. They are very wealthy, which counterpoints the shepherds. Right. The shepherds were the lowliest, right? The lowest, the smallest. And they were the first ones. And they had the angel. And they, they go. And then Luke chapter 2, it says, this will be a sign unto you you'll find a baber, baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lining in a manger. God gave the wealthy a sign too. And we often look at, we're like, oh, it's the poor, that God came for, Jesus is for the poor, and but he's also for the wealthy. And so it means poverty looks kind of different for us, that there is a poorness that comes beyond wealth. And that's a poorness of spirit, a poorness of, of soul. And God comes for those of us who are poor in soul as well as those who are uh, poor in finance. It's It's bigger than that. And so really, this is a sign to all people. The star is a sign for all people that Jesus is for all of us. Do you have the next thing, maybe?
1: I I only have my final thought. so if you have more.
0: I'll think about it for a second.
1: Something that caught my eye reading the passage. It's kind of fun to do these sermons because you're like, I grew up in the church, I see it all. But like, did you ever notice before the passage talks about how the star moves? Mm. And like I was like, I could see how people would think stars don't they move a little, but they don't move. It's the Matthew makes it sound like this they're following it, like it's it's moving. I could see scientists, but the point that Matthew, being a Jew, was trying to say is that um, like in Exodus with the fire and the cloud it was leading the people so when the jews read this and they saw that the star was moving they weren't literally thinking oh we're following the star and it's right under us they were realizing this is matthew saying that god was leading them to the baby so i just thought that was really cool that i hadn't noticed that and it points again to god's leading of all people
0: it connects to what I have a two-sided sheet of paper. That's why I couldn't find what I was going to talk about next. It's on the other side of the paper. Um, but in the story, you see Herod. So the the three magi come and they speak to Herod and they said, "Hey, can you tell us where this new king is born?" And you know he gets what he says is he's frightened. Anybody holding power is going to be threatened by somebody else with power. And so he became frightened, and he goes and he talks to. The scribes, the Jewish leaders and rulers, these are the pastors and teachers of their day, and they know the scriptures. And what's funny is that these guys knew the answer already, so you can kind of imagine how they felt coming before Herod, who was known for beheading people. Um, and he wants to know where this new king is, and they have to be like, oh, it's going to be in, and they tell him the scripture. Um, you know, it's Herod's got this secret fear, and, and these men that are Bible scholars have this maybe secret hope. And they give the information. So now we have all the information coming together. The the three magi are saying, we followed a star. And then you have the Jews saying, the scripture says it's going to be here. And Herod says now to these three wise men, go and look diligently. You have all the information. You've got the map. You've got the prophecies. Follow the signs. Follow where this is leading. And go and look diligently for the child. And it struck me as as I was reading that, that we kind of find ourselves in the same place as the magi that some days it doesn't feel like we can feel God or find God or see God, or we're not sure where this is all leading, but we have, we have the map. We've been given the signs. We see the signs in our daily life. And yet, we still have to go and look diligently for Jesus in the midst of all the stuff, in the midst of the bu- good news and the bad news and the things that are coming at us, our friends committing suicide or whatever's going on. We're all constantly looking for Christ in the midst of it. And that's our calling is to go and look diligently and to not stop until we find Jesus. And that's something I wanted to encourage us all with. Keep looking. If you've lost sight, go and look diligently. Don't, don't back off. Don't, don't take your foot off the gas, as they say. But press forward and look for Jesus in the midst of all of this. Do you have your final thoughts?
1: I think that might have been a good final thought.
0: Well, it doesn't go with the closing prayer.
1: I like the idea of diligently like the beginning of the year committing in our hearts to looking for Christ it reminds me of a phrase that Julie says uh, I'll probably say it wrong but is it work work softly like is it how how do you say it Try try softer it's like I think we can put that word diligently on like a chore but at the same time I hear like Softly, gently go looking for me. My imitations gently move into 2023. So, like a diligence, without that weight and burden, but more of a joy because of the hope of what you probably might find. So, I like that. Maybe, maybe like the wise men, we will find uh, the baby.
0: You mean the magi?
1: Oh yeah, gee, see, well, yeah, of course that's what I mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mean the three astrologers,
1: the three astro- the p- three pagans,
0: yeah. So I think one of the big things that we were really struck by was the fact that this child is for all people, and how much we we eliminate people from being able to come. Like, I, I was thinking, like, who are our common modern day three kings? You know, who are the people that we like? If you're like this, then you can come and be a part of us. And I got really uncomfortable with some of the people I thought about people that think very differently than me, me, people who vote very differently than me, um, people whose sexuality is very different than mine, um, people whose language is very different than mine, whose thought processes, whose socioeconomic standards are different, whose nationality is different, um, uh, so many things that, like, if we don't talk about politics, then it'll just be fine. If we don't talk about this, it'll just be fine. And and I think what we, Coming out of this, really hoped was that we would have this sense of God's radical acceptance of us. That God is more loving, God is more patient, God is more caring, God is more merciful than we can ever, ever imagine. And to hold on to that as we love people in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and our homes, um, no matter how hard they are sometimes. Um, and so there was this prayer, and I wanted to pray this prayer over us. Um, we're using this it's, uh, it's called seeking god's face it's praying through the bible um for a year we've given it to the council and the staff has all got it now and we're using this as like a daily office and so i recommend it if you don't have one get one of these um but there's a prayer for <laughs> i'm off either a plus a day or minus a day any given day on this thing for some reason but you know i'm doing it every day so it's pretty good so i don't know if this is for today or not anymore <laughs> But here's what it says. We just pray this prayer. Oh, wait, we were going to do the closing question. Okay. Oh, we're going to skip the question. Okay. okay. Yeah. You see where we're at, guys? Mm-hmm. It, grief does weird things to you. All right, so I'm going to do this as a closing prayer. Just to pray this um, over us, and you can read it here on the, the board, and then we'll sing the doxology. Accepting God, thank you for your generous heart and your wide promise of the gospel that whoever believes in Christ crucified will have eternal life. Move me with great hope for all and a blessed indiscretion in telling the good news of Jesus Christ to all people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we pray that over you, a blessed indiscretion and holding on to the good news of Jesus, the great hope that we carry. Would you guys sing the doxology with me and then we're done a little bit early and we can talk and chat and hang out let the kids do their thing upstairs. But let's uh it's a good way to begin the new year even though it's already begun <laughs> to sing this ancient song. <laughs> Praise God from all whom all blessings, all, flow, all blessings flow. Praise, Praise